Hey there, dreamers and doers. Amanda Rosarza here from Be The Black Sheep, bringing you a brand new episode of Magic PD, where we show you how to bring the magic home. Well, we have a super special guest on the show. I'm really excited. One of my personal friends, we've got Matthew Raphael, who is a charity costumer, and this is giving it away. He's the co-founder of the Queensland Ghostbusters franchise. Matthew, how are you today? I'm good. I think the patch might give away that I'm a Ghostbuster. And maybe, well, maybe the stuff it's that. Me. Yeah. Not the other stuff, but definitely <laughs> the patch. Just the patch, that's it. So tell us how you got started in this space. How did this all come about? All right. Um, so back in 2009, I came out of a relationship and I was not in a good place. Um, I just wasn't happy with life. Like, obviously, coming out of the relationship was hard, but just in my own personal life, I wasn't happy with who I was as a person. Um, I had nothing in life that really gave me drive or passion or anything like that. So for me, 2009 was sort of this year where I tried a lot of new things. Uh, I went down this path of self-discovery. So I tried really random stuff. I went skydiving and I thought, wow. you know, if I, if I enjoy skydiving, I might take it up. I might become an instructor. Who knows? Yeah. I didn't really like skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I bought, I bought an electric guitar and started learning how to play. That lasted like two months. Um, but I bought my first high-end sort of movie quality costume as well. It was a suit of armor from um, the video game Halo, Master Chief. Yes. And I had, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. I had no idea really why I wanted a costume. It was just I'd always wanted a movie costume when I was a kid. Um, when I was 11, 12, I used to work out at my local church in the, the video department. And so I used to do camera work and technical directing. So I'd always had this interest in film and movies and stuff, but I'd never really done anything about it. So I just wanted to own a, co a cool costume. Again, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So I bought this costume. It sat in a box for like six months. No idea what I was going to do with it, um, but it was cool to have. So I just did site, like random photo shoots up the backyard with my dog and <laughs> I was working at the time for a website called um, Ready Up Live. I was a writer. Yeah. So I used to sort of use my costume to do these funny little stories about Master Chief at home. And I'd do all these funny videos and stuff like that. Um, so I was sort of using it a little bit, but not a lot. Um, and then around the same time, so Ghostbusters. Um, when I was a kid, Ghostbusters was a massive deal to me. I remember in primary school in grade three, um, one of the kids in the class had recorded Ghostbusters um, off the TV. So we had this VHS tape, this dodgy VHS recording of it. And he'd come to the class and it'd get lent around to all the different kids. So every week a different kid would take it home. And it was my week with the tape. Yay, I got Ghostbusters. And our VCR chewed it. So I had to go back to school the next Monday and break the news to everyone. I'm so sorry, everyone. Oh, no. you know, this, is, this is back in the, the world where you couldn't just get a copy of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I had to explain to everyone, oh, sorry, Ghostbusters is ruined. And then when Ghostbusters 2 came out, um, I was nine. And I don't have a lot of great memories with my dad. That's a very sort of difficult subject there. But one of the best memories I ever have from my childhood was when Ghostbusters 2 came out at the drive-in. I went and saw it twice with my dad. And I come sort of from a poor background. So my dad would sneak the neighborhood kids in the boot of his car. This was the 80s, so it was okay to do that, all right? Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. So we went in the driveway, uh, drive in, and my dad had opened the boot, and all these kids would pile out. And I, we, that's yeah. how we saw Ghostbusters too, twice, hiding in the boot of the car. Um, but funnily enough, one of the greatest memories of my dad. And so over time, you know, I got into other things, Ninja Turtles and Jurassic Park became my greatest passion and Ghostbusters kind of fell to the wayside. I just didn't think about it. 
Um, I always wanted a proton pack as a kid, but there's that line in Ghostbusters 2 where Egon says the proton pack is not a toy. And that always stuck with me. I'm like, oh, when I'm an adult, I'm going to get a proton pack. That's but I kind, right. of, yes. I kind of forgot about it. But 2009, my year of a journey of self-discovery, mm-hmm. I was playing Ghostbusters, the video game. And yes. amazing game. And I'm like, oh, I want a proton pack. And sort of all this stuff from when I was a child sort of came back. Oh, yeah, I always wanted a proton pack. I'm an adult now, I've got money, I can get one. And it must have been sort of fate, all the stars aligning or something. I went on eBay that day and did a search and one came up for sale in Brisbane. And wow. it's like, what are the odds? So I bought it straight away and it wasn't like perfectly screen accurate. It was all a timber build. So it was all made out of MDF. It was super heavy, but it was a proton pack. And again, same with the costume. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just knew that I really, really wanted to have this cool thing and something would happen. Maybe it'd be like the guitar and nothing would happen, but that's okay too. Yeah. So I had this proton pack sitting there. And around the same time, I saw a movie called Be Kind, Rewind. Yes. Jack Black. Yes. Jack Black. Yeah. And yeah. most deaf. Um, so most deaf works at the video shop and Jack Black's character gets magnetized and comes in the video shop and erases all the, the videos. And kids today won't know that, but magnets erase videotapes yes so yeah the the whole movie is them making sweeted versions of all the movies again and they did ghostbusters and it's just jack black wearing like aluminium foil and he's in the local library with a backpack and christmas tree tinsel on like a coat hanger or something and they run around the library i saw that and that inspired me i'm like that is the coolest thing the funniest thing i've ever seen i want to do that and so I thought, I've already got the proton pack. I may as well do the whole costume. And suddenly I had this goal. I'm going to do some kind of skit video or some improv thing in Brisbane somewhere as a Ghostbuster. And that idea sort of grew. And I bought a couple of cheap, just Ruby's costumes with inflatable proton packs. I gave one to my brother and one to my friend. And um, in 2010, we went to South Bank and we filmed this day of just guerrilla shooting. One of my friends, Erin, she was the cameraman. She's just hiding. And we had two of my friends wearing sheets with eye holes cut in. Oh my goodness, yes. They were just running through public spaces with Ghostbusters chasing them. That was the whole concept. And um, that became the Brisbane Ghostbusters project. And that video is still viewable on YouTube. It's kind of cringeworthy today. If you search it, it's maybe 10 minutes too long. (laughs) But um, that was sort of the first thing I'd ever done in costume, in public, um, outside of Halloween and stuff like that. And the public response that day was just incredible. You know, you're out there as a Ghostbuster and you're connecting with complete strangers, complete strangers coming up, asking you for photos and asking you what you're doing. And kids get excited, sure, but so do adults because adults are seeing this thing from their childhood and suddenly they're, they're 10 years old again. And you're giving them that. And that was sort of my first taste of it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Maybe this is what I want to use costumes for. I want to get out in public and bring joy to people. Yeah. I didn't know quite what that looked like, but suddenly I had this general idea of that's where I'm going to go. So maybe a month later, there was a charity event at South Bank. Um, it was the Mad March uh, and yep. sort of melanoma awareness. And I was going with friends. But the night before they posted on their Facebook that there was a costume competition. Anyone that came in costume on the day, there were prizes. I didn't care about the prizes. I just wanted to go in costume. So yeah. rocked up to this charity event as a Ghostbuster. I was the only one in costume that day, but it didn't matter. Everyone loved it. And 
I, so that was sort of my first taste of being out in public again, the public response and everything, but tying it in with charity work. And so around the same time, I was looking for any excuse I could just to wear costumes in public. So I did a costume birthday party at South Bank and I wore Master Chief. And for sort of a first experience is that, uh, it, it couldn't have gone more, more perfect. The 7 p.m. project were there filming that day. They saw me in costume and they filmed this whole interview with me. And I got on the 7 p.m. project as Master Chief. And awesome. It was just this great day. And while I was there, uh, one of my friends at the time worked at EB Games. Yes. And they happened to say to me, oh, look, we're fundraising for Starlight Week next week. Can you come in costume? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely I can. So that was sort of my second taste of being in public and combining this, this new passion I had with charity work. So the rest of 2010 was basically looking for every, every and any avenue I could to wear costumes in public and if I could tie them to charity. So I was sending out emails to everyone nonstop, just incessantly. I was so annoying. Hey, you've got a charity event coming up. Do you want a Ghostbuster to come? And most of, of the time, we do. <laughs> well, most of the time I never heard back. And oh, really? Yeah, some of the time I just got really confused emails. You're a Ghostbuster? Didn't really get it. Um, but I got some, some replies back. Yeah, we'd love to have you. So awesome. I, started, I started doing stuff and that kept me going. Um, so the Brisbane Zombie Walk came along in October and it was sort of this perfect thing. Uh, it was a pre-made charity event in support of the Brain Foundation, thousands of people. And I thought, oh, I'm going to wear my Ghostbuster to that. But a little closer to the event, I started to get worried because I looked at photos from the previous year and I saw like all the fake blood and stuff. And I'm like, oh no, I've got this really nice costume. I don't want anyone to ruin it. Yeah. But I really love zombies as well. So I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some kind of zombie costume. What will I do? I'd recently read uh, Death Troopers, the Star Wars novel, which yeah. is set on a Star Destroyer and has all zombie stormtroopers. And I'm like, I'm going to do a zombie stormtrooper. Yeah. So I did, this, I did this zombie stormtrooper and it was just an amazing day. The helmet is there, I think. Yes, yep. Perfect. Um, yep. So it was just an amazing day. Um, met a lot of really great people. It was the biggest event I'd ever done, all the positive feedback and stuff like that. There was one particular photo taken of me on that day. And I feel really bad to this day because the photographer has never been credited. I don't even know who took it. Oh, no. Yeah. But, but someone posted it to somewhere online. It wasn't Reddit, but it was like Reddit. Okay. Yeah. This thing took off. It went viral. And when I say viral, it was nuts. I'm talking millions of views, hundreds of thousands of shares. This thing followed me around for the next seven years. It just wouldn't go away. Um, every few weeks it'd pop up somewhere else. It hit Reddit like a dozen times and always made front page. I had friends saying that their co-workers had shown them this random, oh, look at this cool dude in costume. And they'd be oh like, oh yeah, that's my friend. And the, the funniest, yeah, well, it was, it was just amazing. I'd never experienced anything like it. The funniest thing with that though, was that I'd go on forums like Reddit and no one would believe it was me. Like I'd, I'd say, hey, that's a photo of me taken at the Brisbane zombie walk. Yeah, sure, mate, bugger off. And no one ever believed it was me. It was really upsetting. <laughs> and so- You start carrying the mask around with you and being like, no- Well, I, I took a photo of me holding the head with my name and I'm like, this is my username. Look, it's me. And oh, yeah, mate, bugger off. <laughs> I, I don't think in all the years I had a single person believe it was me. Anyway, we believe you. We believe you. Wow, I appreciate that. <laughs> So because this photo went viral, um, the 501st Legion, which is the Star Wars costuming group um, yeah. that does all the charity work, 
apparently it was massive news in the 501st because they were trying to track down who is this random guy that has a zombie stormtrooper? Because I was like one of the first people in the world to do this costume. Yeah. And this photo just kept popping up all the time. So the 501st were on this quest to find out who I was, where I was from and everything. Eventually it got identified Brisbane zombie walk. Okay. There's a guy in Brisbane with a zombie stormtrooper. How come no one knows who he is? And so this guy in the 501st named Alex, he finally tracked me down on Facebook and I can't remember his first message to me, but it was something like, Hey, you're the zombie stormtrooper," And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. That's oh, me. <laughs> exactly. Someone believes it's me. So I was just excited to yeah, have someone accept that. Yeah. It's me in this costume. But one of the first photos he ever saw of me on my Facebook was me in full ghostbuster kit. So straight away, he's like, you have a ghostbuster. You have a proton pack. Yeah, mate. So we became instant friends. And, um, he decided he wanted to make his own proton pack. That thought had never entered my mind before. Like there's going to be someone else in Brisbane that wants to like put in the time and the expense and everything to do a full movie quality costume. So I got really excited by that. So through Alex, I met a lot of other people in the 501st and they met me and sort of Alex's build of his pack became this whole thing. There were build parties around it and other people got interested and other people wanted to do their own proton packs and ghostbusters and it just started to grow and so alex was chatting to me one day he's like we need to create a group and i was just like why 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 do we need a group he's like because lots of people want to become ghostbusters you're the first i'm the second we need to get ahead of this and create something so we created the queensland ghostbusters franchise Again, didn't really know what we were going to do with it, but we just knew we wanted to have some place online where people who were becoming Ghostbusters could all talk and hang out and stuff like that. And what I didn't realize at the time was that there were other franchises, not only around the world, but in Australia. Oh, so wow. we started talking to like the West Australian Ghostbusters and the Sydney Ghostbusters and all this and realized suddenly this small world that I had just started to grow exponentially. And um, yeah, got on really great with the West Australian Ghostbusters. We loved their, their logo. So a guy in the West Australian Ghostbusters named Toby, he's like, I'll make you a Queensland one. We're like, okay. So suddenly we had the logo up and everything. And we went along to Supernova, Alex and I and Justin. Um, they hadn't completed their costumes, but we went along to Brisbane Supernova. I was fairly new to conventions. Yeah. And lo and behold, at Nova, we met two other Ghostbusters who were Brisbane based. And it's like, oh my God, hey, we have a group. <laughs> Do you want to join? And so suddenly we had five Ghostbusters. And that was really exciting to me because in the movie, they've only got four Ghostbusters. We had five. We've, we'd done better than the movie. So yeah, it was just this amazing thing. And then over the years, the group has grown because um, when Ghostbusters was released in 2016, Sony kind of put all the Ghostbusters stuff under one umbrella called Ghost Core. And Sony decided, hey, there's this huge fan community. There's all these people around the world who have replica costumes and replica props and cars and all the, all the other stuff. We're not going to shut this down. We're going to fully embrace it. And we're going to make the most of, of this fandom that's available to us to use. And so you could register to become an official franchise. Awesome. And so basically, yeah, you put in all your information and everything. And they send you a certificate, which is signed off by... Ivan Reitman. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And so you get added to Sony's, awesome. Sony's database. Yeah. 
and um, if there's any ever events in Queensland and stuff like that, so only get in touch and we do that. And there were basically guidelines of what you had to do to be a franchise. And it was something like you had to have minimum three members. We had that covered. We had five, too easy. Yeah. Um, and you had to do some kind of community service. So whether you went out and just did community convention appearances, mm -hmm. ideally charity work of some kind, yeah. um, then Sony were happy for you to do your own thing. And so that's sort of how the franchise started. And since 2011, when we became official, um, yes. we've just grown and we've got maybe 15 members now, which it, it's not a lot, but for something like this, given the expense of the costumes and everything mm -hmm. like that, it's, it's great. So yeah, that's, that's how we came about. That's amazing. So I, I know the, this is not the only costuming that you do, but, but focusing on this, I guess if you were to give people advice on say if they wanted to join so there's other franchises around that they can join and this is just a really amazing example of how people can create that magic in their own homes in their own groups in their own communities so give us some advice on how to make that happen what does that look like yeah well again like because i never started out with the intention of this becoming so big and with the intention of getting out in the community it's kind of grown in that so i think um, the first thing for people to do is identify something that they're passionate about for themselves. Like my first proton pack, I didn't get for anyone else. I got for me yeah. because it's something I'd always wanted mm -hmm. and it's turned into this great thing that I can use. The interesting thing with being a ghostbuster. So as you mentioned, I do a lot of different costumes. I've got over 50 and the ghostbuster is completely different to any other character I do. So I'll use Batman as the example for this. Yeah. When you're, when you dress as Batman, you're Batman um, and you know, you're out there in public, you're, you're Bruce Wayne, you're Batman. That's who people see and people bring their own expectations to that of yeah. who Batman should be and stuff yeah. like that. So I do 89 Batman, which is Michael Keaton. Nice. And in, yeah. Yeah. In the movie, he doesn't change his voice much when he's Batman. He makes it a little bit deeper and he, he speaks sort of in short sentences, but yeah. it's just, I'm Batman. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't do much to yeah. change his voice. But most people are really familiar with Christian Bale, who does the really mm. gravelly, raspy, you know, mm. Batman. And yeah. so I've been told hundreds of times over the years, you're doing the voice wrong, man. And I'm like, well, no. Technically, technically I'm not, because I'm Keaton, and people just look at you really blankly. And it's because you are this character. So whatever embodiment they see in Batman, yeah. you're meant to represent that. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing with Ghostbusters is none of us do any of the characters from the movie. Mm -hmm. None of us are Venkman, none of us are Stance, none of us are Spengler, none of that. We're just our own characters. So when I'm a Ghostbuster, I am Matthew the Ghostbuster. Yeah. So you can put your own spin on the personality and everything like that. But I think that really helps um, in being convincing as a character when you're out in public because you are yourself. You're not trying to be someone else. Mm -hmm. And when I'm a Ghostbuster, I do take sort of pages out of Venkman's book. I'm a, a big smart ass and, you know, I run off the BS like, like no one's business, um, but it's still me in the suit. And so yeah. that helps you sell the, the narrative that, yeah, you're a ghostbuster, you're a legit ghostbuster, you're out there, you're on a job, whatever like that. And yeah. most of the time when we're out in public, we are sort of selling the narrative that we are legitimate ghostbusters. We're not people in costume. We yeah. are on legitimate jobs. Mm -hmm. And what I find in life that's really interesting is people are so willing to accept that. I'm not sure if it's 
because you're connecting with their own sort of magic inside them and they want to believe that maybe this can be real or, or what it is, but people are willing to accept that you are legit the real deal. You're a ghostbuster. You're out there on a job. All the equipment's real. And, um, you know, all the questions that come, you have to obviously think on your feet quick enough. Yes. To answer. Yeah. Oh, can you show me how the proton pack works? Oh no, government regulations. You know, I'm not allowed to, I have to fill in all the paperwork. If I fire this off, it's not worth it just to show you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they all, they all, buy it and accept it. We had one woman at South Bank. Um, we just did a random Friday the 13th patrol back in nice. 2011, 2012, something like that. And she was legitimately convinced that we were there on a job. There'd been some paranormal disturbance and the Brisbane city council had called us in for public safety. And she was asking us all about, Oh, how did, how did you become a ghostbuster? And we were just rattling off. Oh, I got my PhD in parapsychology at Columbia and, you know, I was trained under Dr. Spengler and, oh, oh, really? Yes, absolutely. Oh, how, how do you get the, all, all the equipment? Oh, it's, you know, it's registered, blah, blah, blah. And she ate it all up. And, That's awesome. Yeah. So and that, I, that must feel amazing while you're going, like, while you're in that moment. That must feel incredible, right? It does because you're selling the story. It helps you be more in character. You know, Absolutely. you're not, you're not getting questioned on it. So you just keep going. You're like, how far can I push this envelope? How, how much BS can I sow here? Amazing. But it's interesting in life that you, you can sort of make comparisons in life um, with what you present to other people is what they accept as face value. And that happens in life a lot of, a lot of the time. So whatever you put out there, um, is what you're going to get back with people accepting, oh, this is what this person does or this is what this person is passionate about or anything like that. So I think in life, it's great if we feel encouraged and safe enough to kind of put ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure of an example, but if you're pursuing something in life, whether it be a career or something like that, even if you haven't achieved it yet, it's okay to say, hey, this is what I want to become and this is what I'm studying. And, you know, you're okay to put that part of yourself out there and people will accept it. People aren't going to tear you down and say, oh, you're, you're not a psychologist yet. What are you talking about? No, no one actually does that in real life. And I think our own fears sort of make us think that people will respond that way, but people don't. That's and it. I've got a lot, of, a lot of examples from other costuming scenarios when we've gone out and done stuff, um, when you present a certain face and when you act a certain way, you act like you're supposed to be there and you know what you're doing. People just accept it. Um, I ran, uh, I have, sorry, I helped launch and run a charity group called Drawn to Life um, in 2012. And it was just uh, charity costuming, all different sci-fi and um, pop culture and stuff like that. And we did one event at a pet store. We were meant to go out to this pet store and it was for Halloween. I can't remember what charity we were doing, but we were meant to do this Halloween appearance at a pet store. And so a group of us carpooled. There were like, I can't remember if there two, must've been two car loads, eight of us in total. And we're going along this road where the pet store was. We see a pet store. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. So we all pile out of the car. We all, you know, unload the cars, our suitcases and everything, go into the pet store. I walk up to the girl at the front counter. I'm like, hey, where your costume is for the day? can you take us to your back room so we can get changed? And she looked slightly confused. And I'm like, you don't, you don't know anything about this, do you? She's like, no, I'll just get my manager. So she got a manager and manager comes out all officious and official. 
Hi, I'm Matthew. Where are your costumers today? We need access to your back room. Okay. <laughs> so they took us to the back room, the staff room of the uh, pet store, gave us the security code, left us into the back room and, and let us in there. And we were just left there to get changed and get ready to do this appearance. And someone happened to say to me, um, that's really weird that they didn't know we were coming and stuff. I'm like, well, that is a bit odd, isn't it? So I looked it up on my phone. I'm like, what's the name of this pet store? And we looked around and saw like supplies and stuff. We had the wrong store. <laughs> the pet store we were meant to be at was like a block down the same street. And I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so I'll get changed again, go back out. I'm sorry, wrong store. I mean, that's an extreme example of it, but that's an example of we were confident that we were supposed yeah. to be there. And we presented that and people just accepted that. And I think, yeah, that happens in real life a lot of the time too. When I was running Drawn to Life, so outside of Ghostbusters, um, I'd never had experience in leadership. I'd never, I did uh, the role of PR officer for a while for Drawn to Life. Then I was the executive officer and then I was the captain. So I ran the whole thing. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing most of the time. I, I, I winged it, I faked it. Um, and I just sort of presented this confidence that, yeah, I'm in control. It's all right, guys. I know, I know what I'm doing. And we, we must have had maybe 50 members at a time. And we were doing events every weekend with a lot of high profile clients. We did stuff for Disney. We did stuff for Universal. Um, a lot of really high profile stuff. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but everyone believed that I knew what I was doing. And I think... Belief in yourself is important, but when others believe in you too, that's an even more powerful thing because it's suddenly like, okay, people are trusting that I have the skills to do this. Clearly I must. That's right. That's so true. And just, I think for you, like you, I, I hear you saying you didn't know what you were doing, but you were showing up every day and that's half the battle, right? That's just right. Yeah. Show up. Even, yeah, even though I didn't know what I was doing, I'd figure it out. So one, one way or another, it did work out. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, like we, we had events that went perfectly, but we also had events that were complete train wrecks, just derailed completely, were horrible messes. And um, I think that's important in life too, to not get discouraged by the train wrecks because any journey is going to have problems and you're going to have bad days, bad weeks, bad months. Um, but don't let that detract from all the good stuff that you are capable of achieving as well. Exactly. And I mean, look at those train wrecks and go, well, there's seven things we're never going to do again, because clearly that didn't work. Right. So you can find ways to improve it for next time. And even the most, and you will know this, the most perfectly planned event can, things can go wrong, right? You couldn't possibly plan for a lot of things that could go wrong on you. Hey, that, that's it. Exactly. Um, I don't think I've ever had an event that has gone as planned. You know, there's always something that goes wrong. Um, I told you this story at, at your uh, wedding reception. Um, this is the wedding story from the 501st. So yes, please share. I love it. <laughs> uh, we, we did a, a wedding at Parliament House in Queensland. And we were informed, first of all, that security knew we were coming. Um, they were going to be expecting us. Security didn't know we were coming. <laughs> so we rock up to Parliament House, just carload after carload of people, and we're unloading suitcase after suitcase, and security's watching us. We thought they knew we, why we were there. They didn't. Um, so we had to explain to security, oh, hey, we're here for the wedding. Oh, okay, put all your 
your suitcases up on the x-ray and everything and we did but of course the suitcases are full of blasters and weapons and everything like that and security's like okay we need to get head of security down here and like that wasn't perfect but we got in and then we were briefed that we were going to escort uh, the bride down the aisle but then the bagpiper arrived and he was also briefed that he was going to escort the bride down the aisle um, so we we were rehearsing for what we thought we were going to do and we had this piper saying no that's my job you're not you're not <laughs> you're not doing that okay we're not arguing with the the piper um no the the bride was fashionably late so we didn't know what exactly she wanted but we figured that out and um I don't know if you've ever been to Parliament House, but there's a lot of like back alleys and mm. side rooms and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And someone gave, or had the bright idea that I would be the guy that remembered the route we had to walk through all these back areas of Parliament House to get to where the ceremony was. I didn't remember. The only thing I remembered was that we had to go through a set of glass doors. Okay. So we, we fully kit up. There's two stormtroopers. Me as a stormtrooper. We've got a couple of officers. We've got Darth Vader in tow. All right. Find this wedding reception. Uh, uh, this wedding ceremony, sorry. And um, we'd been briefed that when the Piper started playing the Star Wars theme, we were to bust through these glass doors and storm the wedding. Stormtroopers can't hear anything. So <laughs> that was my task again. Don't, don't give me that task. That's, that's not my job. So I got us lost in the bowels of Parliament House first. And I finally saw a set of glass doors and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to go. Again, I was faking it. I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's, that's where we go. It's gonna be so I told, I told one of our officers, oh, can you just go up and check, check just to make sure, have a peek. And he peeked through the door and Anastasia Palaget's in there. It was a sitting day of parliament. So we nearly stormed through these glass doors into a sitting day of parliament. Oh my goodness. For all our friends playing overseas or interstate, she's the premier of Queensland. So she's, she's top dog. <laughs> um, so anyway, security obviously saw what we were about to do. They came out and got us. Where are you meant to be? Oh, we're meant to be at the wedding. Okay, you're in the, in the wrong wing. Come over here. So we got led to the right place. And um, Leith and I, so Leith was another stormtrooper, where they're waiting at the doors, listening for the Star Wars theme on the bagpipes. We hear, we hear the bagpipes start. Oh, that must be it. We bust in. It's not the Star Wars theme. It's like the start of the wedding march or something. We just crashed the wedding right at the beginning. So all the guests turn around. They stare at us. We didn't know what to do. Darth Vader slinks out backwards, hides in the corridor. Myself and Leith, we're just there as stormtroopers. We're frozen. I'm looking at Leith for direction because he was the point of contact on the day. He's frozen on the spot. He's not moving. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. So we just stood there frozen during the whole ceremony. Oh, wow. And then it, yeah, they finally played the Star Wars theme. Vader comes in. And, um, Perfect. Like, it was a complete mess of a day, but it turned out perfect because we, yeah. gave, we gave them just incredible stories to share. Everyone at the reception and everything just had a wonderful day. It's like Stormtroopers crashed the wedding. <laughs> I, don't think I, yeah, I don't think I've ever had an event go so wrong, but turned out wonderful in the end. So, yeah. Amazing. I love those kinds of stories. That's just, yeah. Turned out perfectly in the end. That's awesome. Well, Matthew... Thank you so much for your time today. Now, if anyone out there, and I know they will, first of all, you're coming back for another interview, of course. We're going to hang out again, right? I've got a million more stories. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All of, 
all of the interviews, all of the hangouts. But if people want to follow you on social media or check out any of your videos or your costuming, where can they find you? Uh, they can search for Queensland Ghostbusters franchise on Facebook. That's probably the best place. Fantastic. Awesome. I will put that in the description of the video as well. Again, Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Everyone out there, have a fantastic rest of the morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This has been Amanda Rosato with another episode of Magic PD where we show you how to bring the magic home and we'll catch you again soon. Bye. See ya. Who are you going to call? <laughs>